Well, hello again from Carmelite Conversations, a program on Carmelite spirituality here on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We are uh, actually going to have a very interesting conversation today, as I think we indicated last week. We're going to use a text from the um, Institute of Carmelite Studies that draws on reflections from some of the better-known Carmelite saints and their interpretation of the way of the cross. Of course, the way of the cross is um, not subject to individual interpretation, but certainly through prayer uh, gives one deeper insights into what our Lord suffered in his passion and crucifixion. And we're going to have a conversation about that today using those reflections from the saints. Um, and I will be joined, as I am each week, by my co-host in studio, Francis Harry. Francis, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, feeling so blessed and Glad we're going to go through this way of the cross with our Carmelite saints. I think that it will uh, give it a perspective that some have not heard um, at other times when they uh, did the stations of the cross or the way of the cross. And so I'm just thrilled that we're going to be able to share this with them. Well, and I want to make sure we're clear. This is actually a compilation of um, reflections drawn together from the writings of the saints. And we'll introduce each of the saints uh, briefly here. Um, but by a sister, Joseph Marie, a Carmelite hermit of the Trinity, which I discovered, actually, Francis, you don't, you probably know this, is in Ohio, not far from Columbus. That's where this hermitage is. <clears throat> and this is a wonderful book. She's actually authored a couple of books. But this one, as I say, is a collection of reflections from uh, some of the better-known Carmelite saints. I certainly think you'll recognize them all. Um, with regard to the way of the cross. And so um, let us begin, as we do each week. In a sense, this entire program will be a prayer, uh, but let us begin in prayer. And Francis, if you would lead us, please. Right. This is an opening prayer for the Stations of the Cross that I found on EWTN, and it's Marian, and so I thought um, it would be very appropriate for us on Radio Maria. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mary, my mother, you were the first to live the way of the cross. You felt every pain and every humiliation. You were unafraid of the ridicule heaped upon you by the crowds. Your eyes were ever on Jesus and his pain. Is that the secret of your miraculous strength? How did your loving heart bear such a burden and such a weight? As you watched him stumble and fall, were you tortured by the memory of all the yesterdays, his birth, his hidden life, and his ministry? You were so desirous of everyone looking at him and loving him. What a heartache it was to see so many hate him, hate with a diabolical fury. Take my hand as I make this way of the cross. Inspire me with those thoughts that will make me realize how much he loves me. Give me light to apply each station to my daily life and to remember my neighbor's needs in his way of pain. Obtain for me the grace to understand the mystery, the wisdom, and the divine love as I go from scene to scene. Grant that my heart, like yours, may be pierced through by the sight of his sorrow and misery. And may I determine never to offend him again. What a price he paid to cover my sins, to open the gates of heaven for me, and to fill my soul with his own spirit. Sweet mother, let us travel this way together, and grant that the love in my poor heart may give you some slight consolation. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Francis. Uh, I do want to move rather briskly, I guess, into um, these reflections, because we do want to try to get through all 14 stations in our conversation today. Uh, But I thought it was uh, appropriate just to give a brief uh, little insight on the history of the development of the devotion to the Stations of the Cross. And I will say it is more tradition that uh, informs us that the Blessed Mother herself used to walk the various Stations of the Cross after Christ's death um, and and eventual um, uh, ascent into heaven. Um, She would walk these uh, various stages of his crucifixion. Um, And as well, Francis pointed out to me before we came on the air, the mystics, many of them, share with us their own encounters um, of this Via Dolorosa or the way of grief, watching the Blessed Mother uh, going through the various stages of this. And so in a sense, Mark, she is um, leading us on this pilgrimage. And since we're here in Ohio and we can't be there in the Holy Land, um, how wonderful that it was that it developed in such a way that we can be on this spiritual pilgrimage. Yeah. <clears throat> well, this is obviously um, uh, one of the perhaps more uh, how do I say this, uh, focused, uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm not getting the word, but I want us to be very reverent. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, in, in our communication today, obviously, um, uh, this is a, a, a more serious topic than we've discussed in some cases. And so I do invite our audience to, if you're in a position to do this, obviously not if you're driving in a car or something, but um, I'd invite you to try to enter in, as Francis encourages us to do each time before she prays, um, enter within yourself, close your eyes if that's possible, and join us on this way of the cross with the Blessed Mother, uh, become one of her disciples and enter into the Lord's passion and what he experienced in those desperate hours with the benefit of these Carmelite saints. We'll simply announce the station. We aren't going to pray this in the formal sense that you might have encountered if you've gone to uh, Friday devotions to the stations, but um, we do want to, as I say, draw out the writings of each of the Carmelite saints, and we'll introduce them as we as we um, introduce their writings. You'll recognize them all, I guess, quickly we could say. St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, and Blessed, Blessed Elizabeth, Elizabeth of the Trinity. So, let us begin. The first station, Jesus is condemned. The truth is that we all stand condemned before God. And in each case, we'll offer a scripture verse that supports uh, that particular station. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So St. Teresa counsels us to never be concerned with the condemnation of others. Here's her quote. When the soul reaches the stage at which it pays little attention to praise, it pays much less to disapproval. On the contrary, it rejoices in this. This is an amazing truth. Blame does not intimidate the soul, but strengthens it. And since it clearly experiences the benefits of persecution, it acquires a special and very tender love for its persecutors. It seems to it that they are greater friends and more advantageous than those who speak well of it. 
I ask you why him they condemn. Innocent he is and without evil. And of course, that's from a poem by St. Teresa of Avila. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity takes a slightly different approach to this particular station of the cross, and she counsels us, as she so often does, to remain silent in the midst of our trials. May his holy will be the two-edged sword that immolates you at every moment. Go learn this science near Jesus in the agony of the garden when his crushed soul cried out, May your will be done and not mine. Then when her hour of humiliation, of annihilation comes, she will recall this little phrase, But Jesus was silent, and she will be silent, keeping all her strength for the Lord. This strength which we draw from silence, and when the hour of abandonment, of desertion, and of anguish comes, the hour that drew from Christ this loud cry, Why have you abandoned me? She will recall this prayer that they may have in themselves the fullness of my joy. And now we go to the second station. Jesus takes up his cross. We all have crosses to bear in this life. The only question is how well we bear them. And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's from Luke St. John of the Cross, reflecting on this uh, station, writes, He who seeks not the cross of Christ seeks not the glory of Christ. It behooves us not to go without the cross, just as our beloved did not go without it, even to the death of love. Oh, if we could but now fully understand how a soul cannot reach the thicket and wisdom of the riches of God, which are of many kinds, without entering the thicket of many kinds of suffering, finding in this her delight and consolation, and how a soul with an authentic desire for divine wisdom wants suffering first in order to enter into this wisdom by the thicket of the cross. And St. Benedicta, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, counsels us that our greatest crosses find us. Everyone who, in the course of time, has borne an onerous destiny in remembrance of the suffering Savior, or has freely taken up works of expiation, has by doing so canceled some of the mighty load of human sin, and has helped the Lord carry his burden. More effective than the mortification one practices according to one's own choice is the cross that God lays upon one, exteriorly and interiorly because being one with christ is our sanctity and progressively becoming one with him our happiness on earth the love of the cross in no way contradicts being a joyful child of god helping christ carry his cross fills one with a strong and pure joy the third station Jesus falls for the first time. Our falls in this life will take many forms, but Scripture reminds us they principally fall into three categories. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
That's from 1 John 2.16. So St. Teresa counsels us to follow the royal road, which is the safest path of all. I don't see, Lord, nor do I know how the road that leads to you is narrow. I see that it is a royal road, not a path, a road that is safer for anyone who indeed takes it. Very far off are the occasions of sin, those narrow mountain passes and the rocks that make one fall. What I would call a path, a wretched path and a narrow way, is the kind which has on one side, excuse me, where a soul can fall, a valley far below, and on the other side, a precipice. He really loves you, my good. Walk safely on a excuse me, broad and royal road, and is far from the precipice. Hardly has he begun to stumble when you, Lord, give him your hand. One fall is not sufficient for a person to be lost, nor are many if he loves you and not the things of the world. He journeys in the valley of humility. St. Therese of Lisieux teaches us that the best means of avoiding falls is to fall into the arms of our Father. She writes, To belittle is not attributing to oneself the virtues that one practices, believing oneself capable of anything, but to recognize that God places this treasure in the hands of his little child to be used when necessary, but it remains always God's treasure. Finally, it is not to become discouraged over one's faults, for children fall often, but they are too little to hurt themselves much. From her poetry, But if I fall with each passing hour, you come to my aid, lifting me up. At each moment you give me your grace. I live on love. The Fourth Station Jesus Meets His Mother We must remember that Mary is, and has always been, the great intercessor, through her own suffering. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 through 35. Again, St. Teresa of Avila counsels us to look at our mother for consolation in these difficult times. He did not complain, nor did he do so when in the prayer of the garden he went to awaken his apostles. With greater reason might he have complained to his mother and Our Lady when she was at the foot of the cross, and not asleep but suffering in her most holy soul and dying a harsh death. It always consoles us more to complain to those who we know feel our trials and love us all the more. We have always seen that those who are closest to Christ, our Lord, were those with the greatest trials. Let us look at what his glorious mother suffered. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity counsels us to look to our mother in order to understand how we should act in the midst of our suffering. Simeon said to his mother, You yourself shall be pierced with a sword. This queen of virgins is also queen of martyrs. But again, it was in her heart that the sword pierced. For with her 
Everything took place within. Oh, how beautiful she is to contemplate during her long martyrdom, so serene, enveloped in a kind of majesty that radiates both strength and gentleness. She learned from the Word himself how those must suffer whom the Father has chosen as victims, those whom he has decided to associate with himself in the great work of redemption, those whom he has foreknown and predestined to be conformed to his Christ, crucified by love. The Fifth Station Simon of Serene Helps Jesus Carry His Cross We are all Simons who are called upon to assist our brothers and sisters in carrying their crosses. From Galatians 6.2 we read, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. St. John reminds us that we will find Christ's burden light if we but willingly lift it. They press Simon into servants to carry the cross. Our Lord proclaimed through St. Matthew, My yoke is sweet and my burden light, the burden being the cross. If individuals resolutely submit to the carrying of the cross, if they decidedly want to find and endure trial in all things for God, they will discover in all of them great relief and sweetness. Some souls obtain sensible or spiritual sweetness from God because they are incapable of eating the stronger and more solid food of the trials of the cross of his Son. He would desire them to take the cross more than any other thing. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity reminds us how the cross is the very source of the fuel of the fire of love. There is no wood like that of the cross for lighting the fire of love in the soul. And Jesus needs to be loved and to find in the world where he is so offended souls that are given wholly surrendered to him in his, in his good pleasure. Let us lovingly eat this bread of the will of God. If sometimes his will is more crucifying, we can doubtless say with our adored master, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me by. But we will add immediately, yet not as I will, but as you will. And in strength and serenity with the divine crucified, we will also climb our Calvary, singing in the depths of our hearts and raising a hymn of thanksgiving to the Father. The Sixth Station Veronica Wipes the Face of Jesus Jesus only left us with one image, Veronica's veil and the shroud of Turin. We are called to seek the holy face of Christ, and we do this by seeking his image, hidden beyond his tears and suffering. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. From Psalm 27, verse 8. St. Therese of Lisieux is truly the Carmelite patron of the holy face. From her own poetry, 
My love discovers the charms of your face adorned with tears. I smile through my own tears when I contemplate your sorrows. Your beauty, which you know how to veil, discloses for me all its mystery. Leave in me the divine impress of your features. These words of Isaiah, who has believed our report, there is no beauty in him, no comeliness, have made the whole foundation of my devotion, she says, to the holy face. Or to express it better, the foundation of all my piety. I, too, have desired to be without beauty, alone in shredding the winepress, unknown to everyone. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity reminds us that our glory in heaven will be in the measure that we have been conformed to his image in this life. There was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him. We will be glorified in the measure in which we will have been conformed to the image of his divine Son. So let us contemplate this adored image. Let us remain unceasingly under its radiance so that it may imprint itself on us. He will communicate his power to you so you can love him with a love as strong as death. The word will imprint in your soul as in a crystal, the image of his own beauty, so you may be pure with his purity, luminous with his light. The Seventh Station Jesus Falls a Second Time This is the stage along the spiritual journey where many of us begin to become discouraged and we consider abandoning the effort altogether. Luke 21.19 reads, By your endurance you will gain your lives. Here, St. Teresa of Avila reminds us not to abandon the field of battle. We must look to Christ and learn to practice humility. My strength has failed through affliction. In stumbling, in falling with Christ, do not withdraw from the cross or abandon it. Consider carefully the fatigue with which he walks and how much greater his trials are than those trials you suffer, however great you may want to paint them, and no matter how much you grieve over them. Contemplatives must keep the flag of humility raised and suffer all the blows they receive without returning any. Their duty is to suffer as Christ did, to hold high the cross, not to let it out of their hand whatever the dangers they see themselves in. For if he lets go of the flag, the battle will be lost. St. Therese of Lisieux continuously reminds us that our weakness, our littleness, are exactly what will bring God's help to us in this hour of our greatest need. And we need to learn to acknowledge our weakness and our failings and our shortcomings if we wish to receive God's grace. She writes, We'd never want to fall. What does it matter, my Jesus, if I fall at each moment? I see my weakness through this, and this is a great gain for me. I never cease to say to God, 
O my God, I beg you, preserve me from the misfortune of being unfaithful. For example, if I were to say to myself, I have acquired a certain virtue and I am certain I can practice it, this would be relying on my own strength. And when we do this, we run the risk of falling into the abyss. However, I will have the right of doing stupid things up until my death. If I am humble, and if I remain little, look at little children. They never stop breaking things, tearing things, falling down. When we fall in this way, it makes us realize our nothingness even more. We're going to take just a short break. A reminder to try to stay in that quiet space that we have entered into in these first seven stages of the way of the cross. And we will join you again in just a few moments. A reminder, you are listening to Carmelite Conversations, a program on Carmelite spirituality on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations, a program on Carmelite spirituality on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We're about halfway through, we are in fact halfway through, the Stations of the Cross. Francis and I are doing a reflection today on the Stations of the Cross, but drawn exclusively from the writings of Carmelite saints, reflecting on this most uh, significant event uh, and certainly important to us in the Lenten season. We're going to pick up our series of reflections now with the eighth station. On the eighth station, Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. Now Christ gives all of us his direct counsel. We are to remain watchful and not fall to temptation. From Luke 22, verse 40. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. St. Teresa of Avila reminds us our strength is found in Christ's own suffering. Why must we want so many blessings and delights and so much endless glory all at the cost of good Jesus? Shall we not at least weep for the daughters of Jerusalem since we do not with the Syrian help him carry his cross? The Lord told me this, Behold these wounds, for your sufferings have never reached this point. Suffering is the way of truth. By this means you will help me weep over the loss of those who follow the way of the world. And St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross rather challenges us to remain faithful to the crucified. Do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. From Luke 23, verse 28. The Savior today looks at us, solemnly probing us, and asks each one of us, Will you remain faithful to the crucified? Consider carefully. The battle between Christ and the Antichrist has broken into the open. If you decide for Christ, it could cost you your life. The ninth station, Jesus falls a third time. The realization of our pridefulness can discourage us, but it can also be a hopeful reminder of our need to continuously humble ourselves before the Lord. From James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. St. Therese reminds us that we will fall many times and we will be purified by each fall if we will only allow the Lord to take charge of our sanctification. From Isaiah 63, verse 5, I looked about, but there was no one to help, no one to lend support. Jesus on the road to Calvary fell three times and you You would not be willing to fall a hundred times if necessary to prove your love for him, rising with greater strength than before your fall. Yes, I am like a tired and harassed traveler who reaches the end of his journey and falls over. Yes, 
but I'll be falling into God's arms. I understand very well why St. Peter fell. Poor Peter. He was relying upon himself instead of relying only upon God's strength. Before Peter fell, our Lord had said to him, And once you are converted, strengthen your brethren. This means convince them of the weakness of human strength through your own experience. And Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity counsels that we must allow this failure to help us die to self. She quotes 1 Corinthians 15.31, I die daily, and John 3.30, I decrease. I renounce self more each day so that Christ may increase in me and be exalted. I see my nothingness, my misery, my weakness, I perceive that I am incapable of progress, of perseverance. I see the multitude of my shortcomings, my defects. I appear in my indigence. I fall down in my misery, confessing my distress, and I display it before the mercy of my Master. The Tenth Station Jesus is Stripped of His Garments This is where the final stage of our stripping off the old man must occur. We must release all the trappings of the world now. From Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Regarding your formal way of life, you were taught to strip off your old nature, which is being ruined by its deceptive desires. St. John of the Cross instructs us, us on the importance of purifying the intellect, the memory, and the will. The soul that is naked of desires and whims, God will clothe with his purity, his pleasure, and his will. Wishing to strip them, in fact, of this old self, and clothe them with the new, which is created according to God. As the Apostle Paul says, God divests the faculties, the affections, and the senses. And St. John goes on, spiritual and sensory, interior and exterior. He leaves the intellect in darkness, the will in aridity, the memory in emptiness, and the affections in supreme affliction, bitterness and anguish by depriving the soul of the feeling of satisfaction it previously obtained from spiritual blessings. For this privation is one of the conditions required that the spiritual form, which is union of love, may be introduced into the spirit and united with it. St. Therese reminds us that in the end, we are only slaves and servants to others. From Matthew 27, verse 35 They divided his clothes among them. The poor in spirit follow Jesus' counsel. If anyone take away your coat, let go your cloak also. To give up one's cloak is, it seems to me, renouncing one's ultimate rights. It is considering oneself as the servant and the slave of others. When one has left his cloak, It is much easier to walk, to run. And Jesus adds, 
and whoever forces you to go one mile, go two more with him. My intention is not to give my beloved her homeland, her titles, and her riches now. I will that she share the lot it pleased me to choose on earth. I will that she hide the gifts she has received from me, allowing me to give them to her or take them back, just as I please, not attaching herself to a single one. The Eleventh Station Jesus is nailed to the cross. It is at this stage of the spiritual journey that the soul can now do nothing but suffer and practice blind faith. This is what St. John of the Cross referred to as the dark night of the Spirit. And we will genuinely experience a sense of abandonment, suspended between heaven and earth. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, leme sabateni, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? St. Teresa of Avila reminds us that if we focus on the crucified, everything else in our life will be seen as very small. They have pierced my hands and feet. From Psalm 22, verse 17. St. Teresa tells us, Fix your eyes on the crucified and everything will become small for you. If His Majesty showed us His love by means of such works and frightful torments, how is it you want to please Him only with words? Do you know what it means to be truly spiritual? It means becoming the slaves of God, marked with His brand, which is that of the cross. After our Savior upon the cross placed Himself, now in this cross is both glory and honor. In suffering pain, there is life and comfort and the safest road leading to heaven. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross reminds us of the innocence of the Lord as a spotless lamb. Why did he choose the lamb as the preferred symbol? Because he was innocent as a lamb and meek as a lamb, and because he came in order to allow himself to be led as a lamb to the slaughter. The Lord permitted himself to be bound at the Mount of Olives and nailed to the cross at Golgotha. Just as the lamb had to be killed to be raised upon the throne of glory, so the path to glory leads through suffering and the cross for everyone chosen to attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. All who want to be married to the Lamb must allow themselves to be fastened to the cross with Him. Everyone marked by the blood of the Lamb is called to this, and that means all baptized, but not everyone understands the call and follows it. The Twelfth Station, Jesus Dies on the Cross We are reminded that in order to assume the image of the crucified, we must be prepared to die to ourselves. From Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. St. Teresa of Avila reminds us what it is the Lord is asking of us in this life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I want to advise you, she says, and remind you what his will is. Don't fear that it means he will give you riches or delights or honors or all these earthly things. His life, his love for you is not that small. Do you want to know how he answers those who say these words to him sincerely? Ask his glorious son who said them while praying in the garden. See if the father's will wasn't done fully in him through the trials, sorrows, injuries, and persecutions he suffered until his life came to an end through the death on a cross. Well, see here what he gave to the one he loved most. By that we understand what his will is, for these are his gifts in this world. He gives according to the love he bears us, and he gives according to the courage he sees in each of us. He will see that whoever loves him much will be able to suffer for him. Whoever loves him little will be capable of little. The measure for being able to bear a large or small cross is love. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity encourages us that there are great graces available to those who are willing to conform themselves to this image of the Lord. From Isaiah 53, verses 11 and 12, Through his suffering my servant shall justify many. He surrendered himself to death. Blessed Elizabeth says, Rejoice in the thought that from all eternity we have been known by the Father, as St. Paul says, and that he wishes to find once again in us the image of his crucified Son. Oh, if you knew how necessary suffering is so God's work can be done in the soul. God has an immense desire to enrich us with his graces, but it is we who determine the amount to the extent that we know how to let ourselves be emulated by him, emulated in joy, in thanksgiving, like the master saying with him, Am I not to drink the cup my father has prepared for me? The master called the hour of his passion his hour, the one he had come for, the one he invoked with all his desire. When a great suffering or some very little sacrifice is offered us, oh, let us think very quickly that this is our hour, the hour when we are going to prove our love for him who has loved us exceedingly. Do not forget that love. To be true must be sacrificed. From Galatians 2.20 he loved me. He gave himself for me. There is the culmination of love. The thirteenth station. Jesus is taken down from the cross. We are aware that when we are able to bring about this death of self, the Blessed Mother awaits us to comfort us and take us in her arms. And there was another figure waiting to take care of the body of Jesus, from Mark 15:46 we read 
So Joseph, and of course this is Joseph of Arimathea, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. St. Therese, the little flower, encourages us now to look and take strength in the suffering of the Blessed Mother. From John 19.38, they came and took the body away. St. Therese says, The Blessed Virgin Mary held her dead Jesus on her knees, and he was disfigured, covered with blood. Ah, I don't know how she stood it. You love us, Mary, as Jesus loves us. Refuge of sinners, he leaves us to you when he leaves the cross to wait for us in heaven. See, then, all that Jesus lays claim to from us. He has no need of our works, but only of our love. Jesus is parched, for he meets only the ungrateful and indifferent among his disciples in the world. And among his own disciples, alas, he finds few hearts who surrender to him without reservations, who understand the real tenderness of his infinite love. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, likewise drawing on the strength of the Blessed Mother, shows us how we can find consolation and courage to suffer in our own bodies for the Church. She writes, She is there at the foot of the cross, standing full of strength and courage, and here my Master says to me, Behold your mother. He gives her to me for my mother, and now he has returned to the Father and has substituted me for himself on the cross, so that I may suffer in my body what is lacking in his passion for the sake of his body, which is the church. The Blessed Virgin is again there to teach me to suffer as he did. Let us live by love, so we may die of love and glorify the God who is all love. The Fourteenth Station Christ is laid in the tomb. Here the Lord will do his final work in us. Our only call now is to rest in his presence. From Psalm 37, verse 7a, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. St. John of the Cross points out that if we desire to follow Christ, we must be willing to allow God to place us in the sepulcher as well. If you desire to be perfect, he says, sell your will. Give it to the poor in spirit. Come to Christ in meekness and humility and follow him to Calvary and to the sepulcher. It is fitting that the soul be in the sepulcher of dark death in order that it attain the spiritual resurrection for which it hopes. Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity reminds us of the importance of silent love. From Luke 24, verse 3, But when they entered the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Let us believe in love with St. John 
And since we possess him within us, what does it matter if nights obscure our heaven? If Jesus seems to be asleep, uh, let us rest near him. Let us be very calm and silent. Let us not wake him, but wait in faith. It is by the blood of the cross that he will make peace in my little heaven, so that it may be truly the repose of the three. He will fill me with himself. He will bury me with him. He will make me live again with him by his life. O oh, my three, I surrender myself to you as your prey. Bury yourself in me that I may bury myself in you until I depart to contemplate in your light the abyss of your greatness. Well, this concludes the 14th station, and as Francis and I discussed it, we're going to leave the 15th station until after Easter, and we will do a reflection on that as part of one of our conversations following the Easter celebration. Uh, we appreciate your uh, participation with us as we've gone through these 14 stations today, and I want to take this moment to encourage our listeners uh, to Take advantage of this great devotion. Learn about the history of the Way of the Cross. Certainly, um, in and of itself, it's interesting, and there is a very good article uh, available. There are many, actually, articles available online if you're interested in looking up more of the history. Uh, one that we used was simply entitled, How Did the Stations of the Cross Begin? It's by a Father William Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S. But again, I want to encourage our listeners to uh, take time this Lenten season, most especially Friday uh, of, of each week seems to be the appropriate time that the Church celebrates the Stations of the Cross. And Francis, I know you have some additional information you want to share. Right. I, I think there might be a couple other resources people might want to turn to. Titus Bransma is from the Ancient Observance of Carmel, and he wrote a book, Meditations on the Way of the Cross of Albert Cervais. Um, who was an artist, and these were Titus Bransma's uh, meditations on the art of the stations. And so it it is very beautiful. Um, I highly recommend that. And then we also have um, the uh, Fulton J. Sheen's book, Calvary and the Mass. I think that is a wonderful um, resource for this Lenten season by Fulton Sheen, Calvary and the mass. Yeah, and again, this is the um, really throughout the year. I, I think it's uh, appropriate, again, particularly on Fridays, to uh, practice the devotion of the Way of the Cross. It was a devotion very dear to many of our Carmelite saints, uh, and as is reflected in the writings that were uh, drawn to collect this uh, text, just simply titled, by the way, The Way of the Cross. With the Carmelite Saints, which is available, as I said, through ICS Publications, uh, but a very important devotion to us. I did just take uh, want to take a minute and remind our listeners about the uh, forthcoming pilgrimage to the province of Quebec that will occur on the 29th of September through the 4th of October. I encourage you to look uh, on our site, carmeliteconversations.com. 
com, com. I think. <laughs> I always want to say sitnet. Carmeliteconversations.com, and you will find in the upper center portion of that a link that will explain the details of it. Uh, I was sharing um, some of those at uh, prior to Mass today, Francis, and a woman asked me about um, the... Um, you know, particulars. And I said, well, I will confess it's not like your typical pilgrimage on this particular uh, journey. We will stay in three and four star hotels. So she said, well, I'll just have to learn to suffer through that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it it is an exciting pilgrimage. We'll be going to Montreal and visiting Notre Dame, uh, St. Joseph's Oratory. Um, We'll be going on to Quebec City and visiting Notre Dame there, as well as the shrine to St. Therese of Lisieux on her feast day. Uh, and St. Anne de Beaupre's um, Cathedral uh, just beyond Quebec City in um, in the province of Quebec. Again, that's the latter part of September and early October, a beautiful time to be in Canada, by the way. And Mark is going to give a couple of conferences during that pilgrimage, so um, that will be very fruitful, I'm sure. And you'll get to go through the Holy Door. That's right. That's yes. awesome. We'll say more about that next week. All right. Well, I have a final prayer uh, that is a, a very fitting prayer for the end of the Stations of the Cross called A Visit to Our Lady of Sorrows that I found in a book called The School of Jesus Crucified by Father Ignatius of the Side of Jesus, a Passionist. It's a beautiful prayer. So let us get quiet, enter within to be with our Lord in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Most Holy Mother, Queen of Sorrows, who didst follow thy beloved Son through all the way of the cross, and whose heart was pierced with a fresh sword of grief at all the stations of that most sorrowful journey. Obtain for us, we beseech thee, O most loving Mother, a perpetual remembrance of our blessed Savior's cross and death, and a true and tender devotion to all the mysteries of his most holy passion. Obtain for us the grace to hate sin, even as he hated it in the agony in the garden, to endure wrong and insult with all patience as he endured them in the judgment hall, to be meek and humble in all our trials as he was before his judges, to love our enemies even as he loved his murderers and prayed for them upon the cross and to glorify God and do good to our neighbors, even as he did in every mystery of his sufferings. O Queen of Martyrs, who by the dolors of thine immaculate heart on Calvary didst merit to share the passion of our most dear Redeemer, obtain for us some portion of thy compassion, that for the love of Jesus crucified we may be crucified to the world in this life, and in the life to come may, by his infinite merits and thy powerful intercession, reign with him in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations, a program on Carmelite spirituality on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Until we're with you again next week, we'll be discussing God's great mercy. God bless. <laughs>